Good morning. Welcome to the North Point of View. I'm here with Dr. Walter Kimsey. Walter, good morning. Morning, Mark. How are you? I'm good, man. Good to see you. We are uh, part two of the preview, uh, review of 2022, preview of 23. Mm -hmm. We sort of checked the box on 22 last session. Basically, uh, the U.S. economy gets a, uh, a B plus. Uh, Fed Chairman Powell gets a, a D minus. Right. Maybe an F. I, 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 I'd give him the F, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think much of this man. Um, and so now we're going to take a quick look at uh, 23. Um, I think sort of the you know, sentiment out there is that, you know, still choppy water, still a lot of clouds on the horizon first half of the year. Somewhere in the summer, the clouds break and it's sunny and we're, we're back to sort of running full speed. What, what are your basic thoughts? Oh, you just stole my thunder. Thanks a lot, Mark. <laughs> That's all I had, man. That's all I got for the rest of the day. I figured I'd go ahead and use it. Exactly. No, it makes sense. It just, that just makes so much sense to me. Look, let's look at some of the outlier things first. Russia, Ukraine. This is not going well for Putin. No. My biggest concern at this point is that Putin gets taken out and yeah. Russia descends into chaos. Right. And, uh, you know, they've got now two, three, maybe four Russian armies. You've got the, 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 the state security agencies, each of which has their own armed force. You've got this uh, private army that Putin relies on. You've got the Russian army with now decimated and down to people who don't really want to be in the army. Um, they're sending these poor people out into the Ukraine to get shot. Uh, I don't know what happens here. I don't know, you know who's uh, the guy coming up behind Putin. He's killed everybody who came up behind him, so what do you do? So that's concerning. But I think it's possible that we walk Russia back and, and we get them to quiet down. That would be the better outcome, as much as I don't care for Putin. Um, China, I think they got the message. You know, the, you might have ideas, but you're going to have to wait a, a while before you even think about executing. Yeah. So that stuff is calming down. We've got a Federal Reserve, as we talked about last time. I don't think they understand that we have a supply problem, not a demand problem. And there's nothing the Fed can do with interest rates that's going to produce more food. We could produce more houses if the Fed would lower interest rates and right. satisfy demand. But unfortunately... Uh, they think they understand the housing market, real estate, and, and bubbles better than anybody else. Which and so is this a don't. situation to, to, I mean, we haven't talked about this, but literally where no matter what the Fed does, the rat just has to work through the python. It's Brad Long, my favorite macroeconomist, he's over in the San Francisco Bay Area, Berkeley. He wrote a piece for the Wall Street Journal, and he said there are times when you have to let markets work. Yeah. And he gave an example of in the 1950s when inflation surged, the Fed stood back and let the economy work it out. And that's our problem today. Yeah. Okay, we need more chips for automobiles, but guess what? The chips the automobile makers use are five generations ago. Nobody's gonna invest in a factory for chips from five generations ago. So we need the auto industry to move forward, which they're trying to do. We need to be able to grow more food. Well, if you raise interest rates, it's not going to make climate change stop. You know, if it does, it's going to be for a bad reason. So um, anyways, what I think we're going to see looking into 2023 
is we get into the first half of the year, there's going to be some signs of weakness that the Fed you know, is provoking. And I think they're going to cut rates very quickly. And, you know, Mark, when you look at the Fed funds rate target over the last six, seven business cycles, and you can do this on the Federal Reserve St. Louis website, it's really easy to do, you'll notice that in most cycles, there are two tightening cycles per business cycle. So you come out of a recession, the Fed is still cutting rates because the 90% of the, of the labor force that's still employed, you got to get them to spend more so that eventually companies' inventories wear off and they need to make more, so right. they hire the 10% who got unemployed, right. and you get out of it. But until that happens is once the inventory is sold off, companies start hiking the prices of what they have because they don't have an awful lot on the store shelves. Sure. Right, so that's when the Fed starts raising interest rates to kind of get demand growth to slow down and give supply growth a chance to catch up. But at some point, the capacity needed to meet demand just isn't there. And if the Fed doesn't cut rates, it won't be able to control inflation. So they cut rates, and you're still between one recession and the other, so they've tightened and they cut. And that makes the cost of borrowing lower, and companies can start adding capacity to their, to their, uh, to their system. And then you can produce more without causing inflation. But at some point, all of that investment, in every business cycle, there's always something like in the 60s, you know, plastics and trans, you know, transistors that, that create a super cycle. And eventually that creates a little too much inflation and the Fed then just takes the, you know, right. as they said, the punch bowl away. Yeah. The 70s was about raw materials, oil, ag, farm, farmland was going for incredible prices per acre. The 80s was about Star Wars, Ronald Reagan. The 90s was technology. The 2000s, sadly, was about residential real estate. But yeah. nonetheless, you know, you, you get the idea. So we haven't defined the 2020s yet. So far, the 2020s are being defined by the pandemic. Let's go back to 1920. We had started with a global pandemic, the Spanish flu. And after two years, we got over it as normally global pandemics take something like two years for the for the killer virus to mutate into something that doesn't kill the host because otherwise the killer virus doesn't survive right so today's common cold is the old spanish flu that killed millions of people around the world so we came out of that and we started to electrify the electrification economy. yeah exactly and What's your favorite topic that we can't talk about now because we're going to do it another tape? It's the electric vehicles. <laughs> yeah. So in the 2020s, it's By the all... way, we got to talk about the Jay Leno piece I sent you this morning. Oh, yes, absolutely. All right, next session. <clears throat> so the, yeah, I, actually, I woke up and I was reading that instead of the stuff I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> so um, 5G. But it was about the 1920s. Exactly. And the electric cars. Yeah. Back a hundred years ago. You know, I quizzed our friend Rick Abelson on that. I said, when do you think electric cars first showed up? And he correctly guessed. It was, I think, 1905. Yeah. And I was like, well, what's wrong with you? Anyways, <laughs> uh, I have, he gave me the right to say things like that about him. We were good friends. <laughs> so, um, well, let's do this. So we, let's we, take a step back. Though. That 1920s thing, the parallel today yeah. is information. Yes. So you, you know, yeah. in, in the physics world, we talk about 
they t- uh, not me, I'm not a physicist. They talk about energy and information, that they're the same thing. It's yeah. what defines the universe. And so we're going into this age of information that is more powerful than the electrification of the U.S. economy. Yeah, you've talked about the 5G before and the platform. They're already talking about 6G. Yeah. So, um, great, we're not there yet. We have to get the Russians to stand down. We got to get guys in China to be more civil uh, and to run their country properly because this nonsense with their Oh, we can't have a vaccine. We're going to lock everybody up. I mean, come on, stop that. I think that's about over. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. So we're past that. The Federal Reserve gets their hand out and slaps themselves in the forehead, and they go, wow, we could have had a great economy. So um, I think they're going to start cutting rates in the first half of the year. I heard on CNBC today various analysts speculating as early as the first quarter. I'm not so sure, yeah. but nonetheless, I think first half. Q2. You, you see exactly. That's where I'm going. So then, what happens <clears throat> by Q2? You're going to wish it already been overweight in stocks, and all of the people who were running in panic over container volumes dropping in the port markets where we operate, they're going to leave all this great stuff on the table. And uh, you know, folks, if you want to know who to work with and who to follow, it's got to be Mark and me, right? <laughs> and I'm yeah. trying to not <clears throat> marketing us here, but. First half of next year, there are going to be some opportunities, yeah. and I think that's that's sort of the um, the catch for for us is mm-hmm. to you know sift through those opportunities because they're probably going to be more than we can put in our in our bucket. Exactly. Uh, but they're going to be out there, mm-hmm. and the second half of the year will be the beginning of the reward uh, yeah. for for being diligent in the first half. I got to say something here. I mean, <clears throat> both Mark and I worked on Wall Street. We've been through cycles. And this is not news. I was a little source. farther from Wall Street. I, I mean, Walter Axel was on Wall Street. I was, you know, I, I was a few, stri- few streets away. But anyway, go you ahead. You were close enough. They, they, <laughs> you, but you know all the old saws. And so we don't yeah. fight the Fed. We right. know not to do that. But uh, we do have to anticipate the Fed. And I would point out that I heard yesterday that uh, Warren Buffett has already plowed a lot of cash back into the stock markets. Yeah. See, the thing is, as Paul Samuelson told us in 1973, that the stock market, that the stock market has predicted nine of the last five recessions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. And then I studied that, and he was right. But yeah. the stock market never gets the uptick in the economy wrong. Six months in advance, pretty close to six months, yeah. that happens. That's what we're looking for. That's but we, we don't know about Paul and his gang. So it looks to me like the second half of next year could be very interesting. Um, and then, of course, what we're also going to find out is that all of these, uh, all, all of these instant experts in world trade, and I've been through six cycles of instant experts of world trade since I was a teenager going into college. Um, they're all out there predicting the end of globalization when half the time they're talking about world trade, but they call it globalization. The other half they call it world trade, but they mean globalization, and they keep talking about the deglobalization of the world economy. Nonsense. There's more to come. With that, Walter, uh, on to the next session, but guys, uh, appreciate your time being with us. Walter, is always a pleasure. Thanks, man. Hey, man. As, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas. And you. Thanks. See y'all.